Good morning, uh, Forest Grove Community Church, Attridge, and those who are watching online. It's great to be here with you. I'm Reg Taves, the transitional lead pastor here at Forest Grove Community Church. This morning, we're continuing with our series in the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bible or if you have an app, if you would turn there, Psalm 19 is what we're looking at today as we talk about how do, how do we discover God? God wants to be discovered and so we're going to be looking at how do we discover God. This is a beautiful time of year. I know as I greeted some of you as you came in this morning, it's like this is a beautiful day. It's, it's nice out. It's sunny. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Nobody here would complain about the heat because you know that, you know, the other side of that's coming uh, in and hopefully a number of months away. Uh, but I, as we, as Brenda and I flew in this time, every time we come over the mountains, it's like I love the beauty of the mountains, and then we land in Calgary, and then we take off from Calgary, and I love the beauty of the prairies. So, you, you know, often, you know, you'll hear BC people don't un- appreciate uh, the flatlands. I love the prairies. They're beautiful, and you live in a beautiful city. If you live in Saskatoon, this is really a very beautiful city that you live in. Yesterday, I had the privilege of going for a run around, uh, so over a couple of bridges and along the edge of the river, and it was, it was beautiful. I hope you get out and you get to enjoy that as much as possible. So when you look at creation all around you, what do you experience? I want you to think about that for a minute this morning as we start with thinking about this Psalm 19, what do you think about when you look at creation? What does it show you about who you are and about who God is? When you look at all of the things that are all around you, what do you see? We can look at things at a micro level. We can look at things at a macro level. I don't know if you uh, follow the news or you follow science, But there's a new telescope that's out in space. It's called the James Webb, and I'll probably miss a few things, the James Webb Telescope. I want to put up a picture this morning. And this is a composite image of the cosmic cliffs in the Carina Nebula created by this Webb Telescope. And there's a bunch of instruments. But this uh, is the galaxy cluster known as SMACJ, SMACJ. S-M-A-C-S-J-0723 for short. Did I just lose you? I lost me uh, when I said, it's like, what are you talking about? I have no, I looked this up the other day and I was like, what is all of this? I don't want to lose people. But galaxy clusters are particularly efficient lenses because they pack a huge amount of mass. Uh, And this one is about 10 or is about 100 trillion times the mass of our sun. So, I mean, it's just, it's huge. Uh, and it's, all of this mass is in a relatively compact volume within a diameter of about 3 to 5 million light years across. I mean, if that isn't blowing your mind, like the macroness of, like the hugeness of this as we see this. So before the web imaged this, uh, it wasn't the star of the show, one of the scientists has said. Now suddenly there's paper after paper on this particular galaxy cluster, which really speaks to how powerful Webb is. It really speaks to me about how powerful God is. We couldn't ever see it. Now we're seeing things that we couldn't see before. And we should be just amazed by what we're seeing. So it's 
revealing things we couldn't see before. So even as we go deeper and deeper and deeper into space, we're finding things that we've never seen. And to me, it just continues to show that God is, in, is watching and has put all these things in place. And then for us to be here on this little micro planet, tiny little earth, with our great big problems, but yet God is keeping us going. So from micro to looking at tiny things smaller than atoms to macro, we see design in small and large. The psalmist in Psalm 19 didn't have all of this information that we have today. And yet, what we see in Psalm 19 is the psalmist writing a psalm, describing and saying, here's how I am discovering who God is. So my heart for us this morning is that we would discover who God is. So let's read a portion of this psalm. I'm going to read it in sections this morning, doing it a little differently, and then we'll unpack each of those sections and and, uh, we'll learn what is the psalmist trying to say to us. So it's a psalm of David, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Let's just stop there. Verses 1 to 6. What we see here is God is discovered in creation. When you look at creation, I just find that creation shows off God. Look at the words that the psalmist uses. It declares the glory of God as we look at the sky around us. There was a, a picture yesterday was posted on Facebook from uh, Camp Oshkadi of the Northern Lights. Beautiful, bright, green lights that were taking place there. And, and you, again, you look at those things and, and they just declare the glory of God. There's this idea that as the writer looks at the psalm is writing about speech, that they speak about God and yet they don't use any language. There's no words it's pictures. It's the, the, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And so when we look at creation, they're declaring the glory of God. They're speaking out of their silence. They're speaking loudly about who God is. All of the earth sees creation in verse 4. And then he uses these two pictures. One of them is a wedding and the other is a, is a runner. But the wedding describing the son's movement. Where it talks about the bridegroom who comes out with his entourage to the wedding. So you get ready and you're, you're getting dressed. The bride and the bridegroom are getting ready. And, and they're getting ready at separate locations. And yet they come out. Are they, are they excited for that day? If you've been to a wedding, you know there's this anticipation, this excitement of we're coming together. There's a celebration that's happening. And, and the writer of the psalm is telling us that look at how, what it's like for a bridegroom to come out. And, and then he says, look at the sun. 
Every day, that sun rises. Do you ever doubt that the sun's going to rise tomorrow? I, I don't think you have to sing Oklahoma. You know, the sun will come out tomorrow. I don't think you have to say that. You know that the sun is going to rise. And you know that it's going to set. And you know that when the sun rises, it's hopefully it's going it's to warm up. Like today, it starts out cool, and then it warms throughout the day, and then the sun goes down and it cools off at night. You just kind of know this is, we don't go, oh, I wonder, is the sun going to come up today? Isn't it going to come up today? Like, of course it is. We, we just expect it. The sun comes up each morning, goes down each night, just like the bridegroom. And then the champion, the runner, comes, and the runner is looking forward to running that race. I've run in a few races myself and done a, done a number of marathons. And I know at the start of a marathon, I'm just, I'm like just anticipating. Part of it is like you get, most of my marathons have been Vancouver or Victoria. And, and so you get there and you're just so, I'm just anticipating. I've worked hard for this. I've trained for this. You're ready to do this thing. I am not at the front of the line. I just want to finish. I want to complete this race. I don't want to die. Do I need to switch? Okay. I'm going to grab this microphone over here. My wife told me my grandkids went into my office where I keep my medals from all the runs that I've done. And uh, she said they counted. There's 20 medals. And I said, well, I didn't run 20 marathons. But as you think about a champion running, like this week the Canadians won the 100-meter uh, relay race, the 4x100. The Canadians won. I you, hope you're excited about that. Uh, maybe not. Okay, are you paying attention to what's going on out there? But yes, they, they won this race. And so when they, when they uh, celebrate together, it's the champion. And so the, the writer to the psalm is talking about this. The champion is the sun going from one end of the sky to the other. Nothing can stop the sun from advancing. Now we know that he's looking at the sun as it's moving. And we know the earth is the one that's moving around the sun. But he's describing what he's seeing. In creation, nothing can stop the sun from advancing each day. In Genesis chapter 1, Moses wrote for us at uh, the Holy Spirit's direction and said this about the sun and moon. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God created the sun and the moon for us so that we would know who he was and that he is a God of design. I want you to notice out of that uh, Genesis passage, uh, one of the uh, phrases that struck me was, they mark sacred times. What does that say to you? It just, to me, it's like those are set apart times. So yes, we're setting day and we're setting night, but they mark our days, they mark our nights. It talks about marking years. And so we, we use the sun and the moon to guide us. So Paul also writes of how creation shows God's character and his qualities. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it reads, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature 
have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So when you look around us, I hope that as you look out, you, you, you see a design. You see a purpose. There's a purpose and a design for everything that's been made. And as we look around, we see it, and it shows us that there is a creator. There is a God there. And even those who have never heard of Jesus, who have never heard of the gospel, can know that there is a creator by seeing his creation. Let's read a bit further in Psalm 19. Let's start at verse 7. The law of the Lord, the law of Yahweh, is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. As we think about these words, we see that God can be discovered through his revelation. God has revealed himself through the scriptures. Now, the psalmist, as he's writing, he only has five books, the first five books, the books of Moses, what we call the Pentateuch, so Genesis through to Deuteronomy, and those are the books that he would have and that he would have been able to read. He didn't have a lot of the other. He would have had history around the judges, but these are the books he would have had. So as he's thinking about God revealing himself, he looks at these texts, and over the last while, we spent some time from January onward, we talked about and looked at Exodus and God's faithfulness. But as you look at these ways in which God has revealed himself, there's this focus here on the written word of God. And what the writer is telling us is that this written word of God, this law that's been given, transforms, changes us. Here at Forest Grove, we believe that transformation happens in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is revealed through the scriptures to us and through the Holy Spirit. But we know here that the law transforms us. Notice some of the words that are spoken. It refreshes the soul. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I find that soul refreshing taking place throughout the day, but particularly I set aside time for myself in the morning just to spend some time in God's Word, to read sections of it, and it refreshes my soul as I listen to the Word that God has for me. And this morning, the Word that I read just spoke about God's love. God's love for me, God's love for you, God's love for all humanity. And as I read part of the devotional reading that that was part of my focus on the Lord this morning. Uh, one of the quotes that came was from John Stott, who said that this idea, this concept of God's love for us is really the pillow on which we can rest our head. So when we're worried, when we're anxious, where do we turn? We remember that God loves us. It refreshes the soul. The psalmist says it makes wise the simple. 
It gives joy to the heart. It gives light to the eyes. When I think of all those words, I think, wow, those are the things that I think we're looking for. We want our life refreshed. We want to be people who make wise choices. We want to give, we want to have joy. We want to have light. We want to have hope. And the scriptures give us those. Paul in Romans 7, 7 says something similar. It says, what should we say then? Is the law, so often that word when we say the law of the Lord, it's almost like a stumbling block. Oh, we don't like laws. And yet I think even last week I said, but you know what? We actually want laws to guide us. But we listen to that word and, and it just grates us. Paul says, is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. So the law opens our eyes. It gives us light to see who we are. It, it gives us light. It reveals what our world is like. And, you know, we can look around and there's a lot of dark things, hard things, difficult things going on in our world. And what? The scriptures actually reveal those. They open our eyes. They give us light to see. The law is also, out of this comes how valuable the law is. It talks about the law is pure. It endures forever. It's firm. It's showing the right way. It's precious. It's more precious than gold. It's sweeter than honey. All of these words, the, the law is valuable. David also writes in Psalm 12, verse 6, he says, And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times to get it absolutely pure. So the words of God are these flawless words we can turn to for wisdom and understanding. John in the New Testament, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' disciples, writes in John, 1 John 5, 9, he says, We accept human testimony... So if you're going to a court of law, you ex expect, you know, I'm going to tell the truth, human testimony. And then he says, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. And so the scriptures reveal who Jesus is. As we read now in the New Testament, we get an understanding of who is Jesus and what is he here for? God speaks for himself to show us his love for us and his way for us to be fulfilled and forgiven. Notice in verse 11, there's a warning and a great reward. Now, there's this, the, the writer begins this personal response to both God's majesty in creation and God's law. So he's taken this time to say, look at creation and worship. Look at God's law. And worship because you're discovering who God is. Now he says, here's my response. Let's read Psalm 19, verses 12 to 14. Here's the response. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless Innocent of great transgression. 
May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This sense of discovery is now the discovered, God has discovered for me. It's a personal discovery. In verse 12, the psalmist tells us that our true self is shown. He asks this question, who can know your faults? You know, you and I, I, I know I can be so blind to my faults. I, I can just like, I don't see them. I might see the big ones. That's why I need other people around me to say, hey, Reg, what about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah. But God's law does that for us. God's creation shows that. There's this self-awareness that we need that comes from God. God says, I want you to be aware of yourself. You, you actually have walked away from me. You've actually rejected me. How can I know my own sin? I need that outward measure. And the outward measure comes from the law. Again, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul writes, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Well, we can't earn it. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. It, just, it shows us who we are. When we read God's law, it just says, yeah, that's who we are. Often when we read Scripture, there's things in Scripture go like, oh man, why is this in the Bible? This is hard. These are difficult things. Like, yes, it's revealing our human nature. The law that the psalmist speaks of shows our heart, but also the way to find God and peace, hope, and joy in this life. In verse, end of verse 12 and verse 13, we see there's forgiveness is being given. His request of God is to be forgiven. Lord, forgive me for my known sins. Lord, forgive me for the ones that I don't even know where I just am living my own way. So he's asking God, the things that I'm unaware of, would you forgive me for those as well? The psalmist now asks for God to do what only God can do. No one else can forgive sin. I mean, we can forgive each other. Only God, through Jesus Christ, can forgive sin. Again, Paul in Romans chapter 3 says, this righteousness... This forgiveness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see, God wants you and I to know and understand every single day, and particularly today, that we can be forgiven that we can live with hope and joy and peace. The result here is being blameless and innocent. And that doesn't because, come because of our behavior, but it comes because of what Christ has done for us. Even in the songs that we sang this morning, it's like we point to the cross, we point to what Christ has done. It comes from God alone. It comes to our understanding and living out every single day the gospel, which is that Jesus came to show us our need for forgiveness. That's what the law reveals. As the psalmist is writing this, he's saying, I just want you to know the law is showing us who we are. And we should say yes 
And I don't necessarily like what I see in the mirror. But that's not where God leaves us because we know that the gospel is also Christ came to pay the cost for our sin. The gospel is that God came to give us new life in the Holy Spirit. The gospel is that God provides life for us each and every day as we turn and look to him and wait on him. And finally, there's this wonderful petition to end this particular psalm in verse 14, where he says these words, May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. Knowing the creator, knowing the lawgiver, the psalmist now turns his words and thoughts and he says, would my words, would my thoughts, would everything that I'm doing, would they simply be pleasing to you, Lord? Notice that he describes God in two ways, rock and redeemer. I think the rock is the creation the things that we look around us, and yes, things move, but they never really change. The sun comes up every morning and goes down every evening. The moon is present, the rock, and my Redeemer, the one who has paid the price, the law that reveals who we are and who God is and reveals God's way for us to have life. Today, as we close, I want you to think about a couple of thoughts. What do we take from this this morning? I want you to think of this. Take, take some time this week, take some time today to explore God's creation and see Him. Now, some of you are, are so creative already that you're seeing this and you can picture it and you're living it every day. But for those of us who aren't as creative, it's just would we take the time just to pause and look at things. Maybe it's a micro thing. It's like looking at a flower and not just saying, yes, it's the color purple. But looking at intricacies. Or maybe it's this evening as you wait and look and maybe it'll be a clear night sky and you get out of the city a little ways and you begin to see the stars. And you look at the macro and you think about that picture that came up from the James Webb telescope and you go, wow. What's out there so far away from us? God has created all of this. Take time to explore God's creation and to see him. God wants to be discovered. Sometimes we think God wants to be hidden, and he does not. God wants to be known by us. I'd also suggest to you as we close that you take some time to explore God in his revelation. So I see these two things working together. As the psalmist writes Psalm 19, and he starts with creation, and then he goes to the law. For us, that's like, let's look at creation that's all around us, and then let's go to Scripture and his revelation. And use those two things together, because we see God in creation, and we see God revealed in the Scriptures as well. So we see him, and my hope and my prayer is that you would see God's deep love for you that you can't ignore and that you have to do something with. You have to either decide you're going to not want it or you're going to say, how could somebody love me broken the way I am? And yet God does, and God provides for us.
Finally, one other thing that I would encourage us to do is to be willing to see your true self. And that can be hard. Be willing to see your true self. And then know God's forgiveness. You see, when we see our true selves for who we really are, and we go, oh man, I am a broken, sinful man. You read about that in Scripture. Like Psalmist David writes this of himself. I'm broken. I'm lost. But he just doesn't stay there. See, this is where, as followers of Jesus, we have great hope. Because we have God's forgiveness when we turn to him and say, yes, this is who I am, and God knows me. God knows everything. He knows our thoughts. He knows our actions. But he doesn't reject us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Turn and know God's forgiveness. Join with me as we pray. Our Father, as we have looked into your word this morning, thank you that you have given it to us. Thank you that your creation reveals who you are. With every single human being on this planet, we can see you in your creation, that you are a God of design, that you have made everything, that all of these things really point to you. Lord, thank you that you are also a God who gives us, you've revealed yourself so we can discover you in your word. And as the psalmist has written about the, the beauty and the openness of your word and how it reveals who you are and it reveals who we are and how far apart we are, but then how you want to bring us close to you. Thank you, Lord, this morning that you have given us that in your son, Jesus. Thank you that you give us life every day in your spirit. Lord, I pray for us that we would live in light of your forgiveness for us. Father, if there's anybody in this room this morning who has never accepted your gift of love found in Jesus Christ, that they would do that this morning by simply turning to you, recognizing who they are, and recognizing this gift of love that comes through your son Jesus, the gift of forgiveness and new life in your spirit. Thank you for what you've done for us. For we pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen.